Before we jump into today's episode, we want to give a very special thank you to Razer. Are you guys still living with a wired mouse, a wired keyboard, wired headset? You need to hop back into that time machine, leave 1955, join me and Josh here in the future by using Razer's wireless gear. You can go to multiplayerpodcast.com slash Razer and see all of their wireless line of products. Make sure to enter promo code multiplayer. You'll not only get some awesome gear, you will also get a free gift along with it while also helping support your favorite podcast. Thanks so much. Now let's go to the show. Great Scott! Hello, squadmates. Welcome to the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast. We are two dads who love to get together and talk about gaming for one-hour podcasts every Monday and 30-minute podcasts every Thursday. Since today is a Monday, we are going to have an hour-long deep dive episode for you guys. If you have not already done so, make sure to rate our podcast five stars and leave us a review. You can also help support the show by subscribing in Apple Podcasts or by going to MultiplayerSquad.com and that'll let you pledge on Patreon. Either way, you will get access to exclusive Quick Take episodes where you can hear two extra episodes every week that are anywhere from 5 to 15 minutes that Josh and I record separately. I am your host, Paul, and then joining me, I can't wait to find out what his deepest secrets and desires are, but I know they're going to be revealed in the cave. It's Josh. The cave reveals all, Paul. <laughs> the cave of wonders. <laughs> all right. So jumping into our episode here today, we do want to start out by giving a shout out to new Patreon supporter, Papa Thunderfist. Thank you so much for your support. I love that name, by the way. Is that like is that like a reference to something? It sounds like an MMO character name to me. It, it sounds like one. I I just like it because it's Papa. It makes me feel like he's similar in age to us, you know. And then <laughs> yeah. Thunder. Who doesn't want a Thunderfist? Right? Thunderfist. Yeah. And we also want to give a thank you to legendary supporters Jake Ranger Miller seventy three Ace of Shame Ad and Tfols. And we just want to say thank you to all of you out there who help support the show. We really do appreciate all the love and the support. It really is pretty incredible. And Josh, I think you've got a couple of reviews we're going to read here on the show. We have a lot of new reviews that came in, which just makes my day. Every Here's an insight into my day, right? I wake up, I make my coffee, I feed the animals, I come sit at my computer... The very first thing I do is I go to Apple Podcasts and I look at, hey, let me check reviews. And it's mm-hmm. like Christmas morning when I see new reviews pop in. And then yeah. I always copy and paste them into Discord to you to be like, yay, new reviews. Like, I- honestly, I-, I know we talk about it all the time, but they really, really help the show. It's, you know, it's part of Apple's SEO engine and all that stuff. So there's some benefits for the podcast itself, but it's also really cool for you and I to know what people think, you know, it warms the cockles of our hearts. It really does. It's one of those things where we just get excited every time. So, and we have a bunch that came in. So thank you to everybody that's left reviews. I'm not going to read all of the new ones. We try to keep it to two just so they don't take up too much time. But this first one comes in from Noodle Oodles. (laughs) and it it is titled i came for the game reviews but i stayed for the bonus round episodes Ooh, i know right okay i was looking for a podcast to help steer me towards some good pc games to play after completing my first build the multiplayer podcast not only provided the gaming insight i was looking for but also something i hadn't been searching for at all a gaming home The hosts are fun and friendly and never get the feeling that this is a chore for these guys. This show is made with pure love for gaming. The part that really got me hooked on this show was the bonus round episodes. My favorite being when Josh and Paul do bracket style tournaments, facing off their all time favorite games. These episodes are a real treat as they send my aging mind back to a simpler time, (laughs) recanting fond gaming memories I have long forgotten. I definitely oh. miss I definitely miss Todd, the former third host, during these episodes the most. The three separate perspectives definitely added a certain amount of depth and fun. And all this is a great, fun, friendly show. Give it a listen and see if you find more than you were looking for. Oh, that's so nice and so kind. Thank you so much. What was the name again? Noodles. No, noodles. Noodles. No, no, Paul. 
Noodle oodles, get it right. Noodle oodles. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Thank you so much. Yeah, the great thing there is we like the tournament style brackets as well. And if you listen to the episode where we had our dear friend Michael Butler on, there may be some of those coming in the future. I'm sure there will be. Yeah. yeah. So for those that like that three person aspect, uh we we hear you. Oh All yeah, right. absolutely. I've I've many times said that's also my favorite format. I'd love doing the drafts and the brackets. So don't worry, we'll definitely have more of those for you guys moving forward. I just like to be able to argue, and that gives me the perfect excuse to argue with you guys over stuff too. So All right. <laughs> this next one is titled uh well let me see. It comes in from Jojo, not Jojo. Okay. Uh, from the Netherlands. So <laughs> not to be confused. Yeah, so how do you say hi in Dutch? In, in, in Netherlandish? Yeah, in Netherlandish. <laughs> I I, I'm no just going to go with hi. But it is titled, Nice and Chill Podcast for the Whole Family. I've been listening for about a half a year now, and this is the podcast that I was looking for for a long, long time. It's got me so addicted, I refresh the episode tab every 15 minutes the day a new episode comes out. I also don't know if you know this, but there are probably a lot of listeners from European countries that don't have English as a native language, myself included. Overall, a very chill and relaxing podcast by two men that I know nothing about, yet connect so good with. Keep up the great work, guys. Oh, very nice. By the way, I did bring up Google Translator, and hello is hello. Hello. H-A-L-L-O. <laughs> oh, you got to say it with the A. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I feel like Germans do that, too. Yeah, you like know? a lot of them are pretty small. Well, yeah, like, in that hello. case, it's Guten Tag, right? Hello. But, yeah. Well, actually, it's Choose, believe it or not. Oh. In, in common nice. German, Choose is the, uh, what you say. I used to speak ah. German pretty good, believe it or not. <laughs> I, I don't believe it. I, I really did. That is no lie. When I was when I my first job as a dolphin trainer, Paul, we uh, had you nothing... trained them with with German. Well, no, that's dolphins aren't German. Come on, <laughs> you, you ever oh, seen an ocean goodness. in Germany, Paul? <laughs> no, that's that's exactly my point. I feel like you're Dwight Schrute, who like trains dogs to speak German and you know reads the copy machine manual in German. Is this, is this you, Josh? I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> I do share a lot in common with Dwight. I'm realizing that the more I live. And I, I don't know that that's a bad thing. Your teeth are always red with, with beet stains. Beats? Oh, I hate beets. Never mind. <laughs> I am not Dwight. Dude, I, I think I we had a conversation the other day about eggplant. And I was like, I, I despise eggplant. I might hate beets more than eggplant. Mm. All right. Well, you know what? I think that's all we had by way of housekeeping. I think it's time. The water looks inviting. Let's jump on in and deep dive the cave. All right, Josh, why are we covering the cave in this episode? We are covering the cave because a phenomenal human being by the name of T-Foles. Well, that's mm-hmm. his Discord name anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's on, it's on his birth certificate. <laughs> T-Foles became a legendary supporter of the show. He's been supporting the show for a super long time, so thank you, T-Foles. But he became a legendary supporter. One of the perks of being a legendary supporter is you get to pick a game for Paul and myself to play. And T-Foles picked The Cave for us. I had never heard of this game up Me until, either. until he mentioned it. And he was very excited about it. And he mentioned, like... If I if my memory serves, which you know, take that with a grain of salt, I'm getting older. But if memory serves, he said that he played this game with his dad, and he had very fond memories of playing this game with his dad, and so he thought that we would enjoy playing it as well. Does that sound right to you? Does that? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I was gonna say it was either his dad or a brother. It was some kind of family member. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And did you look anything up, or did you just download it and start playing? Oh, I I don't ever look stuff up. Usually, I just downloaded it and started playing. That is exactly what I did as well. So I knew absolutely nothing about this. One of my favorite things about doing deep dives like this is playing through the game and then reading up about the game and the development and who was involved. And there's some pretty funny things here in regards to the cave that I figured out after playing it. So we always start off these deep dive segments by reading a description either from Steam or from Wikipedia. And so The Cave is a puzzle platform adventure video game developed by Double Fine Productions and published by Sega in January 2013. The game was created by Ron Gilbert, requiring the player to initially select three different characters from a cast of seven to explore the cave. 
Many of the game's puzzles require the three characters to work in coordination to complete, while some puzzles are specific to the unique abilities of a character. In this manner, the cave can only be fully explored through multiple playthroughs. Now, as soon as I read that after beating it, I immediately recognized Ron Gilbert's name. Some of you out there who are, you know, older gamers, that name might sound familiar. He worked for Lucasfilm Games. He invented Scum, which is a video game engine which was basically used by everything that Lucas did. And he co-created Monkey Island 1 and 2, which are the best Ooh, ones. Yeah. And he even coined the phrase cutscene when they were invented in video games back in the 1980s. And this all makes perfect sense because the very first thing I thought of when playing the cave is that it feels like a throwback point and click adventure. It did. Yep. It, that, that makes perfect sense now in reading that in hindsight. All right. So since we're going to be talking about the cave here, I don't know really what you want to cover or talk about first. But how about you give like the elevator pitch, like 30 seconds or less? How would you describe the cave? Um, adventure platformer with multiple characters, phenomenal sense of humor, light puzzles, um, great humor. I know I said that once already, but I'm keying in on that. <laughs> it's very key. Um, yeah. memorable characters too. I really loved the characters that were in this game. Like I, I wanted to pick all of them and I really appreciate the art style. It's a good looking game. Yeah. And I would say just on top of that, it's a very casual game. So you can die in the cave, but your character immediately just respawns. So this is the kind of game that I think can really be enjoyed by just about anyone and just about any age. I mean, there are some aspects that can be a little bit scary for like really young kids, but the game is like free from profanity. It's casual, but it's still very clever. And it's very funny, especially in the narrations in the game. So do you want to talk a little bit about how like the cave itself is actually the narrator of the game? We actually don't hear the characters ever talk. No, you don't, which is very... You, you hear them make little noises sometimes. Like They have abilities that the characters can use that make noises. Uh, we'll get into the characters here in a little bit. But yeah, so the cave apparently is the narrator for this game. Yes. Like. I don't know if you've ever seen a talking cave before, Paul, but we, you know, now I have. Uh, and so it's a great narrator, man. I need more caves in my life, apparently, because this, <laughs> he's got a smooth voice. He talks mm -hmm. to you. He's clever. He's witty. Um, I, I don't know if a cave can be a he, but you know, the voice sounds male anyway. So that's, that's what I'm going with. But yeah. And, and I love it because he, you know, it's it's got some funny dialogue. He makes fun of you. He, he kind of sets the stage for the different moments and the different characters and stuff like that. Uh, there's a little bit of sarcasm from time to time. It's just a en very enjoyable part of this game that really helps to highlight everything else. Yes. And the narrator also will occasionally break the fourth wall and also kind of comment on the game itself. And so as we jump into the cave, this is a relatively short game, and I think we're just going to have to deliver a whole bunch of spoilers in this game, in, in this episode. But I don't think it would take away from the experience. Like a lot of it, the, the gameplay itself is going to come down to solving puzzles, and we're not really going to talk about that so much, but we're going to just talk about what the characters are, what their abilities are, some of their backstories, and maybe just some things that kind of stuck out with the gameplay. So just a little bit of a fair warning. We will be jumping into more spoilers than we usually would simply because we can't just talk about the gameplay. Now I do have a couple more facts about development. So basically when they decided to start programming the cave, they had three factors that they wanted to follow. Number one, they wanted you to be able to switch back and forth between three characters to explore the cave they wanted to offer light platforming elements, and they wanted to completely avoid using an inventory system. So one of the things that's kind of interesting is that when Gilbert first created a game like this, have you ever heard of the game Maniac Mansion? Oh, yes, definitely. Okay, so Maniac Mansion has all the same DNA as this game. There's multiple characters, you pick three, 
they go and they have unique abilities and you use them inside the mansion. But one of the problems is that some of the characters in Maniac Mansion were rather worthless. So they wanted to have you pick three characters out of seven, but all of them had to have equal weight. That was one of the ideas behind this one. Also, they wanted there to be light platforming elements because the point-and-click adventures in the 80s and the 90s, one of the biggest complaints that Gilbert would hear is that people did not like walking across the map. So they decided to make this one a little bit more vertical, make you do some jumping, you know, some platform elements. And then finally, they wanted no inventory system. Every character can only hold one item at a time in order for it to be a little bit more casual. That's a weird thing. Yeah, it's kind of funny to explicitly not want Uh, inventory. (laughs) But but there's not like a lot to pick up in this game. So, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. I mean, it does. It's just like, did you play a game that had a really bad inventory system before like deciding to make the cave? To where you're like, all right, guys, we have three tenants. Number one, you know, no inventory system. <laughs> Number people one, just, no inventory. Right. Number two, it has to be fun. Yeah. like, what? <laughs> And it's just like people go like, this guy really hates inventory, man. <laughs> I will say that I do find some inventory systems funny. I think the games that do it the best are games like Diablo or I don't know if it's all the Resident Evils, but many of them where you only have like so many squares and bigger guns will take up more squares and you have to kind of play like Tetris to make everything fit. It is a little goofy when you play games where you're carrying 57 swords, you know, 14 bows and arrows and 700 mana potions. So I kind of get it. I think they just wanted it to be super simple. You click on an object and you pick it up and then you just run around until you use it. Yeah. Pretty simple. All right. So let's go ahead and talk about the characters here. There are seven in total, and they are all very different. You have the knight, the hillbilly, the time traveler, the scientist, the adventurer, the twins, and the monk. So when you started up the cave, they don't really explain a whole lot. They just say, here's seven characters. They're going to go into the cave. Go ahead and pick your three and just start playing. So do you know which three you initially picked and and why did you pick them? I did. And what you can do, so they're all, there's seven characters. They're all standing there in a line, almost like a lineup at a police station or something. Like you're just kind of staring at them and they're looking at you and they're very whimsical. Like they're, they kind of move and they, you know, look around and like, you know, the night looked kind of clumsy almost like it was very kind of funny looking night. Mm-hmm. And I love medieval stuff. So I instantly gravitated to the knight. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with this knight. There's something wrong with them, but I, I like it. And so I picked the knight and I knew nothing about this game. I just assumed that I was going to get a sword and start like wailing on stuff. So I was like, well, this makes sense. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. I'm like, well, there's caves and this seems like an adventure game. So the adventurer seems like a no brainer for me. Right. And then I was like, okay, but wait a minute. There's some really weird looking characters. There's a time traveler. There's these creepy looking twins. And then I was like, I got to mix it up just a little bit. And so I went with the scientist because I was like, who doesn't want a scientist in your party? Now Mm -hmm. I will say this is that when they're all lined up, every character has a different ability. And I had Mm -hmm. no clue what these abilities did, what they were, uh, the knight makes this like glowing dome around himself. The adventurer has a grapple hook, and the scientist like makes calculations float out, like she's trying to calculate something in her mind. It and looks I was like, like Zach Galifianakis in The Hangover yes! when he's calculating, and it's in the air. That's exactly what yes, she does. That's yeah. exactly it. And I had no idea what this did, but I was like, this has got to be helpful. Like having somebody really smart on my team seems like that would be a benefit. So I went with the scientist. So, hilariously enough, I picked three completely different characters than you did, which was very funny because you and I did not talk about this at all. Now, I did not know this was a puzzle game. I figured there would be combat, and I figured there was something in that regard. So, as I'm looking at these seven people, I immediately thought, what on earth is a hillbilly going to do to help me in this game? (laughs) So the hillbilly is actually the very first one that I picked. And he's got this like giant straw hat. He walks where he swings his arms 
almost like Donkey Kong, like from back in Donkey Kong Country. Like he's got these really exaggerated arm swinging movements. And so I picked the hillbilly and then I picked the twins specifically because they looked very creepy. They looked straight out of a Tim Burton movie. Yes. They almost have like, like dead looking eyes. And so I was like, okay, well, I got to pick these twins. Plus they're the only ones that were a set of two. And then for the last one, since I thought, well, clearly there's going to be some combat in this game, which, you know, spoiler alert, I was wrong. I figured, I bet the Time Traveler would have some pretty neat abilities in that regard. So I went ahead and picked the Time Traveler as my third, and then just jumped in and started playing. And then I very quickly learned that basically you're just kind of solving puzzles and learning about these character backstories. There is no advantage to picking one character over another, but it does give you a vastly different experience. So the fact that you and I picked completely different teams of three, this game played very differently for you and me. Absolutely, which is really cool and kind of funny, but that also makes me feel bad for the monk. Oh, yeah, because neither of us had an like, interest in Poor the monk. monk. We're sorry. You were the last <laughs> kid picked in kickball. E- oh, yeah, or not even picked at all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he said, take his ball and go home. Left. Now I feel terrible, Paul. <laughs> yeah. There's only room for six on this court. Get out of here, monk. All right. So basically, the story, if you will, of the cave is that these different characters have traveled across time and space to come to the cave. And as they go inside the cave, it is going to explore some of their deepest desires, but all of them also have like a dark secret that's going to be revealed as well. So this is almost like a simulation that's going to play out some of their desires and their secrets, and then we're just going to see how that plays out. And so I figure at this point, let's just go back and forth and talk about what character we picked and like what their ability was and what their story was. So is there like a certain character you wanted to start out with? I'll start with my boy, the knight. Because (laughs) here's the other thing. With no spoilers and no nothing else, I had no clue what his ability did. Right, right. Like, honestly, I have no idea. Like, I had no idea while I'm playing this game. It just, it makes like, like an angel singing like, oh, sound. Right. And this little, like, light dome with wings over his head pops up. But he can't move while he's doing it. And I'm like, is Mm -hmm. this like, am am I, does this trigger like a secret door? Like, what does this do? And I don't know how I figured it out, but it actually makes him invulnerable. Okay. Like, he cannot die at all while he's using this. So there's like a point where I fell into lava and I'm doing the, oh, and he's just standing there until I let go of the button. Like, I can't move. I can't get out of the lava. It's inevitable that I'm going to die. But I had fun just kind of like being like, ha ha, you can't kill me, lava. Um, (laughs) But there are advantages to that in the game because you can, one of the easiest ways to die in this game is falling. Uh, And you can't fall very far without dying. So it is a neat ability for him to be able to jump off like a steep ledge and then do the, oh, and then he floats down kind of slow. And then he's in a new area where the other people can't quite get to. Um, so, you know, he was a lot of fun. The knight is also very scrawny looking. It almost reminds me of like King Arthur from the Disney movie. Oh, yeah. You know? He's like still a young boy. Right? Yeah. He's just a scrawny, scrawny. He's just a scrawny, spindly guy. And uh, so it's just like, you know, he doesn't look like he deserves or can even support this suit of armor. Um, so that's the knight. Right, do you want to talk about the levels too or just the characters for now? Yeah, we can talk about the levels too. Like, what's the overall story with the knight? Dude, the knight's level was my favorite level by far. Okay. Like, by far. So, uh, this is funny because, you know, he goes to a castle. He winds up meeting the king. Sure. Who has Excalibur in a stone. And the king's like, oh, hey, knight, like, go ahead and try to pull it out. And you're, I'm thinking, like, well, this is going to be interesting. Little scrawny knight comes over. Of course, he can't pull the sword out of the stone. So then the king is like, yes, whoever weds my daughter is said to be the true like wielder of this sword. So you need to go see if my daughter will wed you. Okay. It's like, okay, so then you got to climb this big tower and you climb up this hill and there's the princess on her balcony straight out of like Rapunzel or something. And so you talk to her, but she's this spoiled just brat. 
And so she's <laughs> like, well, you need to bring me the gold from the dragon and then I'll agree to marry you. So then you have to go way down in this dungeon. You meet this dragon. You can't figure out how to get the gold. This is where the knight's ability comes in because the dragon tries to roast you. Mm. And you do the the invulnerability ability while he's sitting there breathing fire on you. And then you can use another character to sneak around behind the dragon. Oh, clever. I don't want to spoil too much because what happens after you steal the gold from the dragon is hilarious. And I, I don't want to spoil that part of it for people that may pick up this game and play it. But let me just say that I was literally laughing out loud at like the rest of this like okay. debacle that occurred after that and then eventually you wind up going back to the king you wind up getting the sword uh in a certain way and then that's like the whole knight's level but i did not understand at first because this is the first level i came across that the level was unique to me because right. i had the knight in my party I this thought, is a level I did not see at all because I did not have the knight. Right, and I thought you did. I was like, oh, well, Paul's going through this level. He'll love this. And that is that is one thing I was not aware of. And so that came later that we figured out like, oh, the levels you play are only for the people that are in your party. And what's funny is I kept trying to use the scientist <laughs> like, uh-huh. like in oh, the castle yeah. and on the dragon. I'm like, well, maybe the scientist can figure out what this dragon wants. And then she would just sit there and do the calculations and they'd float out and then she'd be like, uh-uh. And I was like, well, you suck, <laughs> yeah. scientist. What, what good are you? <laughs> you got to so, wait until you get to the scientist level. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that, though. Went into this game yeah. completely blind. So. I I had almost exactly the same experience because my first level was for the hillbilly. Now, the hillbilly's special ability is that he creates an air bubble around his head, which lets him swim indefinitely. So almost right off the bat, I had to go through this really long swim area, and my characters kept dying, and only the hillbilly could make it through. And I was like, well, my goodness, what if you didn't pick the hillbilly? Like, do you have to just start over? And then that's kind of when I realized, oh, no, no, the entire story in this level is all about the hillbilly. And so his story is that he worked at a carnival and fell in love with the two-legged lady. So this is part of like the dry humor in the game. You know, it's not a bearded lady or a three-legged lady. It's the two-legged lady at the carnival that he loves. And so he wants to win enough tickets at the carnival to get a giant pink teddy bear. And he's convinced that if he gives this to her, that she'll fall in love with him. And so basically in his level, you're running around playing carnival games to win enough tickets to go get the teddy bear. Well, I am going to spoil a little bit here with the hillbilly, but basically, once you're able to get the teddy bear, you go to give it to her, and it turns out that she doesn't care about the teddy bear. She has fallen in love with the man of ordinary strength who was working (laughs) one of the other booths, and she has no interest in you whatsoever. So at this point, what you end up doing is you kill the water supply to the carnival and then you light the whole thing on fire and you burn the entire carnival to the ground because you did not win the affections of the two-legged lady so this is at this point i kind of realized oh like they have like really bad issues that we're going to see play out and then as soon as i saw that i was like oh man what are these creepy twins gonna do because it was already kind of weird enough with the hillbilly but yes, he actually burns the uh, entire carnival to the ground. Okay, so this is telling me that there's a theme in this game. Where oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to spoil the night thing, but something terrible happens. Let's just put it that way. And so I'm starting to realize that I think in every level, something yes. terrible happens, but it's like comically terrible, which is oh, yes. wonderful. It's done, it's done for comedy, but it's, it, it does have that little underlying darkness to all of the characters. They all have their own temptations that they face and things are not going to turn out so well in the cave. <laughs> no, they don't what, very well at all. <laughs> what's the uh what's the second level you went through? So the second one I did was the adventurer who is basically Indiana Jones. She's trying uh, to find like this relic or idol or something like that. Um and you know, at this point, I had figured out, okay, well, her ability is going to come into play on this one. And, you know, you get to grapple hook, and then she swings across these big pits and stuff like that that none of the other characters can do. 
And we should mention that when you're controlling one character, your other characters are just sitting there waiting wherever you left them for you to control them. And you definitely have to work as a team. So I'll use the knight again. You know, go into the dragon's lair. Dragon gets mad, roasts me. I die. Go back in, activate my invulnerability. Dragon sits there trying to roast me. I swap to a different character, go up and around the level behind the dragon, you know, steal the gold, do it like that. And then, you know, your third character might need to be on a lever that's keeping the gate to the back of the dragon's layer open or something. So you definitely have to use all three people, just not simultaneously. And yes. so you can lead with any character you want, but if you're on a certain level, then the characters whose level that is, you're probably going to need their ability. Um, and so with the adventurer, it's all like, you know, you're in the cave. All of this is underground, right? Even the castle and stuff, you're, you're down below underground. Um, and you're searching for this idol as the adventurer. That one was a little goofy because it didn't... I mean, I expected rolling boulders and stuff straight out of Indiana Jones. And it took a little bit of a different turn um, to where there's like some kind of crystal beast that's blocking your path for the adventurer. And that beast plays a large part in like the puzzles and the stuff that you have to do. You come across a competing adventurer who's tracking the beast. Mm. And so you're like competing for her... And there's like security. I got shot by people for the first time, which I thought was really strange. <laughs> like there's these people that are guarding these different areas and they're shooting me. They won't let me pass. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. And so you have to figure out how to sneak past them. Uh, you got to interact with this other NPC character that you come across. You have to kind of trick that character so that you can do that. There's parts where it did feel very Indiana Jones-ish. I'm moving a sarcophagus around and trying to figure out how to get it down this elevator. Until ultimately, I have this professor that I've been working with for a very long time that has been helping me with this, you know, mystical sarcophagus thing. Until I wind up running him over with the sarcophagus, his body falls into a spike pit and he dies so that I can then push the sarcophagus over his over body his and body. over the spikes. And it's like nice. this whole level, this entire level was set up so that I could kill my my buddy and use yeah. his corpse <laughs> so that I could progress to like my final goal. And I was just like, oh, this is so gloriously terrible, man. Modern problems require right. modern solutions, John. It was great, though. When I saw it was about to happen, it was another one of those just glorious moments where I was just chuckling. The evil side of me comes out, and I'm just like, oh, I know it's about to happen, and this is going to be great. Yeah, it's at the end of every level that you finally realize all the dominoes have been set up. And then at the very end, they get knocked over, and you don't really necessarily realize it right away. But it's really neat as you figure these levels out. All right, Josh, we're halfway through the episode. You want to tell the people a little bit about today's Ooh, sponsor? Let me tell you about my favorite character in the cave, and that's Razor. Because <laughs> I played the cave using all of my Razor gear. Uh, it's great. I am currently wearing the Black Shark V2 Pro's wireless headset. I'm telling you, these things are incredible. I, I'm, I'm highly, highly impressed with them. I've never actually had a wireless headset before. So I'm so used to not being able to get up and go turn my fan on or things like that without taking my headset off that it is so freeing to just be able to move around. And the quality is through the roof, man. I, I like everything about all of the wireless gear that Razer makes is just top notch, absolutely fantastic. We have multiple listeners that have picked up, uh, you know, wireless products, the Viper Ultimate. The, the Black Shark V2, the Black Widow V3 keyboards, all of this stuff. It's the 21st century. Lose the cables and the wires. You don't need them. You can pick up your Razor wireless product by going to multiplayerpodcast.com slash Razor. Make sure you enter code multiplayer at checkout. They're going to send you an amazing product, but they're also going to send you a very, very cool gift along with it. All right. So the second level that I played was the Twins. And it absolutely played out like a super creepy Tim Burton movie. Oh, that's the awesome. The twins. Yeah. I, the twins for me was the turning point. The hillbilly level, I thought it was funny and it was entertaining, but I was like, you know what? I, I don't know if I'm ever going to think about this game ever again. It was, it was kind of funny, but then the twins was a real turning point because it just got 
extra, extra creepy and weird. Like as soon as you start throwing in children doing weird things and having like murderous intentions, it's, it, it definitely tends to stick out. Uh, when you're playing this kind of game. So the twins, their special ability is that you can have them like pull a lever or something and then you hit the Q button and they leave behind like a spectral copy of them holding whatever that, whatever they were doing and then you're free to run through. So you can actually like hold open your own gates and things of that nature. And basically the twins, they grow up in this really rich, high income mansion, basically. And they're just evil twins. They don't want to be told what to do. They have been entertaining themselves by like making their mom fall down the stairs, you know, things of that nature. And they've decided that they've just had it with their parents. And so the whole goal of their level is to get your hands on the rat poison and then poison the family dinner. <laughs> that way you will kill your parents oh and no goodness. longer have to do any chores. What? <laughs> now, this is so much worse than all of the other levels that I played. It was it it was kind of like a horror movie, I'm not gonna lie. That's it was pretty insane. wild. Now I there are some terrible things that happen in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, running over your your lifelong professor you know, coworker so that you can get across this spike trap and stuff like that. But that's bananas, man. Rat poison. That's what they're yes. going after. Yes. Literally rat poison. Oh my goodness. And you use like the, the one twin you're or the one character you use to distract the mom. And then you pour in the rat poison. You know, there's like stuff like this. That's like going on with the twins level. And uh yeah, pretty sadistic in, in light of this game, which is very funny. There was nothing very funny about their level. It was just straight up uh, a horror show. That's really uh, which, interesting, though. Yes, because it, it really felt so different. Because the hillbilly was like over the top silliness. And then I got hit with this super creepy storyline with the twins. But I actually enjoyed it because it was something... Even though normally I don't like storylines like that, that's pretty dark thematically for me. But I actually really enjoyed it and it really stuck out. It's not like it's like, you know, gory or anything, but it's definitely turning up the creep factor. I feel like you know what you're getting into with the twins, though, because they look super creepy. Even from sadistic. the beginning of the like when they're all in the lineup and I'm looking at these two kids and they, they look like it. they're dead. You know? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah, it's <laughs> yes. them two right there. I don't know what they did, but they did something, officer. <laughs> oh, man. And so then that leaves behind. Who was your your third? Oh, the scientist. How the was the scientist, scientist level? level was actually probably my second favorite. I really I, well, I'll say this from a puzzle standpoint. It was my favorite from a thematic standpoint. It was probably my second favorite to the night. Mm. The night one just made me chuckle like so hard with what occurred there. So with the scientist one, you start this level. There is a gigantic nuclear missile. And the cave even says, like, oh, boy, like, look at this. This is sure to not wind up good. Like, he even kind of sets the tone. And (laughs) then it's like he's, you know, you're trying to get out of the cave at this point. And so he's like, you know, it's really good that you're not going to mess with this missile. And then you start, of course, messing with the missile. missile. (laughs) Exactly. And then the cave's kind of like, do you realize what you're doing? Is this really worth it? Um, But the, the puzzles in that one, to me, were the best of all three. Because it took a little bit more of like a sequential thing where you had to go to like launch control and you had to get past a guard and, you know, you had to get an item to be able to do that. But to do all that stuff, you had to redirect the gas from the ventilation system to knock out the guard, you know, and Mm. things like that. So there was this really cool, like, puzzly aspect to all of that to where it really felt much more of that point and click adventure type background like you could really feel that come out to where it was like here you found this item how do you use this item in relation to the environment that you're in to then figure out how to solve this puzzle you know and so it was like oh okay well i put this knockout gas into the ventilation system i had to use another one of my characters to pull the lever to reverse the airflow so that it blew onto the guard now he's knocked out i can go get the launch codes you know from the computer that he was at which Guess what? All of the calculations and stuff that the scientist does is simply yeah. like her trying to use a computer. And mm. then I was like, finally, <laughs> I finally understand what this scientist does. 
Yes. <laughs> so there, great moment of realization there. But yeah, that level to me was a lot of fun from the puzzle aspect. Graphically, it was probably one of the most drab levels. Like there just wasn't a whole lot to see because you're in this like missile launch silo area with like just hallways and rooms and stuff but i that one was a lot of fun i really enjoyed that and the narrator plays a very big role in that one because you're trying to launch a nuclear missile right you know and he's like eh, you know don't don't do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah breaking the fourth wall a little right. bit there oh that's funny yeah and so like the scientist has some temptations like are we going to use these smarts to help the world or bring about destruction and oh so it's there's bringing like, about destruction <laughs> a little bit of temptation there all right and then the last level that i played was the time traveler funny enough that the time traveler's special ability is not to travel time but rather it's just a teleport to basically move five feet forward so if you have like some kind of object in the way you can t- teleport behind it but the time traveler similar to like you were saying like the third level had the best puzzles same for me the time traveler i thought was by far the most clever use of the uh, of time travel along with multiple characters so basically the time traveler's story is that she works in a museum kind of like the museum of natural history and her coworker is awarded the best employee of all time and she gets mad because she thinks it should be her. So she decides to use the time machine to figure out a way to make this person never exist to begin with. <laughs> that way they won't be awarded best employee of all time and it'll be her. So basically what you do is you have a time machine that any of the characters can click and there's three timelines. There's prehistoric, modern day, and then you can travel to the future in the year 2701. Now, Basically, what this lets you do is, and I'll just give you like one or two examples. For example, if I go back to prehistoric times and I kill a dinosaur, I know where they died. And then if I go all the way into the future, now there's a puddle of oil where that dinosaur has decomposed. Okay. Or maybe there's like a certain substance dripping from the ceiling down onto the floor. Well, now if I put something in the way then that's going to change the layout of the level because now we no longer have water or something flowing in that area. So you actually swap back and forth between all the timelines quite a bit, which is, I I thought it was the most clever puzzle making in the whole game. I actually thought that was really, really neat. Um, So I think that's about all I would have to say as far as the time traveler goes. Now, the funny thing is that at the end of the game, your characters have seen these simulations of what they can do in these situations. And then at the end, the person who's running the cave gives you your object of desire. So for me, they give the twins the box of rat poison. For the hillbilly, they give him the teddy bear. For the time traveler, he gives her the award for best employee of all time. And then... At this point, did you know that you have a choice and every character has two endings? I did not. I did actually read up on that because I did some reading on it after, you know, beating the characters that I had played with. And yeah. apparently there is like a, 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 like acquire your dream or give up your dream. Yeah. So and, did and you I immediately, no did you just immediately take your object of desire and just book it out of the cave yes, immediately? 100%. Yes. That's what the whole game so- was about. <laughs> So, so you and I had by far the quote worst ending because all of our characters, despite seeing what their desires would bring about, which in in the case of my playthrough was murder (laughs) in all three. And they're all like, yeah, that's cool. I, I just want this enough and I'm fine doing that. And so like my hillbilly goes out like, like in the movie natural born killers and just burns down every carnival he can find. Oh my God. He just, he turned into like a mass killing maniac, but at the same time, you can actually return the object of desire, climb up the ladder, and then they get happy endings because they've seen where their desires can take them and they instead reject it. And then like for the twins, they apologize to their parents. They don't use the rat poison and then they live as a happy family. So I had no idea that you actually had that choice until I read up about the game. 
but I loved when I finished it that the narrator goes, all right, well, I guess none of these characters learned their lesson. Like that was literally (laughs) what the cave told me. And I thought that was really funny. So like it, it wasn't, it wasn't like I was mad or upset that I, that I end up with the worst endings. It was still very funny. And I was like, Oh, now I got to go actually like read the options. How do these stories end if you actually make a different choice? I thought that was very clever. I don't know, man. I worked really hard for Excalibur and that dragon's gold, <laughs> you know, and, and that, you know, the, the fame of the nuclear missile and all that. So I, I regret nothing. <laughs> now I got to ask you, Josh. Did you look up any guides to no. help beat any of the puzzles? I didn't know. No, I didn't find the puzzles to be real hard, to be honest. Um, the puzzles I think I got were not hard. Stuck once, but it was because I did. Oh, it, I didn't understand what the knight's ability was. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So and I was like, up. I don't know how to get down this thing without dying. Like nobody can make this jump without dying. And so all of my characters were dying over and over. I went back and re-explored like the whole level. I could not figure out what the heck I was supposed to do. Until finally, I wound up just trying his ability and then floated down. And I was like, big forehead smack moment. Like, oh, my goodness. But the puzzles in this are fun, but I didn't find them to be overly challenging. Yeah, I I would say 95% of what I played through, you kind of knew what to do. I did end up looking up guides for like one or two different things. Like, I, I don't even specifically remember what they were. But I remember like playing Monkey Island back in the day. There were some things that there's just no way you would ever think, here's how I'm supposed to do this puzzle. Like, I, I remember part of Monkey Island is that you have to get, like, a pirate shirt. And so what you do is you find a bucket in one area of the map, you go down to the swamp, you, you put in, use bucket with swamp, he fills the bucket full of mud, now you go back to that guy's room while he's away at work, you put the bucket above his door with a stick... And then you hide, and then when he returns, he opens the door, gets covered in mud, takes the shirt off, and brings it to the cleaners. Like, you would not ever naturally know here's what you're supposed to do. And there was like one or two times that my puzzles had something like that. I remember with the twins at one point, you're supposed to get up on the roof and then run all the way to the right, and you had to throw something down the chimney. And like, I was totally stuck. I did not even realize you could get on the roof. So I know I had to look up a guide just once or twice. Cause if I couldn't figure it out within five minutes, I was like, I, I don't want to waste my time. I'm just going to look up at this point what to do. Cause I'm just missing it. So I was just kind of curious if, if you used any guides, but I'm, I'm curious if there's common, uh, stuff in this game. Did you do the part with the hermit where you had yeah, to escape the island? Yeah, there's like the zoo level and the island level where you have to push the canoe. Yes. And all okay. That. I yeah. did get mm-hmm. stuck. I, I will. The hermit, I made it to the end of the island. The hermit was in the boat and he kept saying, it's too bad that one of you is going to get left behind. Right. And so I was just going to be like, well, I'm leaving the scientist <laughs> behind because she's useless, you know, and, but I couldn't, I couldn't push the boat into the water. Yeah. And so yeah. I actually did look up, can't move boat. And then there's act like, there's more of a puzzle Go there that the I had parrot. to solve. Yes. And so I yeah. had no, that part I actually did have to look up because I didn't know if my game was bugged or if I was just completely missing something. Apparently you're not supposed to sacrifice one of your characters. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they kind of do that twice because. I assume you also had the level with the zoo where you had to use the tape recorder to record a sound. Mm -hmm. So that was like a similar mechanic in both of those. Uh, But yeah, a couple of the puzzles were not necessarily obvious what to do. You wouldn't necessarily think to use a parrot to record sounds and go play it for the hermit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Josh, that's what we think about the cave. You got some community reviews for us? Oh, I do, buddy. Okay. So this is what we do here for those that may not have, uh, or if it's first time listening, but any game that we do a deep dive on, you know, Paul and I talk about it. We'll give our reviews on this here in a minute, but we always like to kind of go to the community and say, hey, here's what people are saying about this so that people that are listening can get an idea of, you know, what generally do people like about it or dislike about it. And I always try to find some negative reviews, always try to find some positive reviews just to give both sides of the coin there. So, all right. So this first review is recommended 10 hours on record, which I feel is about the time to beat the game with maybe more than one set of characters. I don't know my playtime. I feel like I probably have about six hours, so they probably played it through once and then tried a few more of the characters. Um, but it, 
It says, there may be a lot of people who would disagree, but The Cave is an amazing puzzle platformer and is one of my favorite games of all time. Although the puzzles are simple, there is something about exploring the fate of seven adventures that makes this game great. Hmm. And I can I, see exactly why they would say that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, just the stories and the levels behind these characters, their flaws. Like, one thing that we didn't talk about either is in every level, there's these, like, wall drawings, almost like cave drawings. And mm-hmm. if you click on one, it gives you almost like a still page of a, a slice out of that character's previous life. Right? Like a panel or, in a comic. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, like, for the night, you figure out that the reason that this night looks all scrawny it, you know, it doesn't look much like a knight, is that it's that character's not really a knight. <laughs> He's an imposter. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and so you get these snippets into the characters through these cave drawings and stuff like that. So the, the game does a very good job of kind of giving you that background info onto the characters that you're playing. All right, this next one is not recommended. 7.8 hours on record. Controls are clumsy and slow. Playability is awful. The story and the narrative are just okay. And the effort to go through the game is not worth it. I can't recommend it. Okay, so the controls are a little goofy, especially if you're using mouse and keyboard. I used controller. But like this game's not like a fine-tuned platformer. I don't know about you, but were there several times that you would like start to climb off a ledge and then try to float the opposite direction just to immediately grab your ledge and climb back up. Yes. Like yep. that's, that's my one number one complaint. I would say one out of every four times I drop from a ledge, I would accidentally grab it and climb back up. Yeah. A hundred percent. I get that. It's not, this is not a tight platformer. This is not, no, it's not you supposed know, to be, it's not supposed to be. This is more about the characters, the themes, uh, the light puzzle solving the humor. You know, you don't play this because you want a very tight platformer. That's just not what this game's about. Okay, yeah, and I would actually say that the story is more than just okay, because point-and-click adventures like this normally don't have any kind of point, and this one totally had a point. It had to deal with, you know, what do you desire, and how are you tempted to use that for good or evil? Like, I thought that was Yeah, yeah and what are you willing to sacrifice to get it? I mean, in yeah. all of my levels, the character or somebody <laughs> that was related to the character got sacrificed yeah. in one form or another, so... Yeah, I agree. I think that's the main point of this game is the characters and the stories involved and kind of what they go through for their desires. Okay, so this next one is not recommended. 6.7 hours on record. And it says, tedious walks around the cave for hours and from time to time, some fun puzzle. (laughs) Now, I will say this, and I get what this person's going for because most of the negative reviews on this game had to do with the amount of backtracking that you have to do through a level. And there are points in the levels where you have to run your one character through the level, switch to your other character, run that character through the level, and then switch to your third character and run that character through the level to get to this point where there's three levers and all three characters have to pull the lever at the same time. Like that part to me was like, dude, this that's just not fun. Like, why do I have to do that? It was much better when the characters had to go to three different points in a level to do something. But there are a few times where you're just running. The one thing that might have helped with that, because this is one of the things I was thinking, because anytime you would get to the end of the level, all of the other characters would just suddenly appear with you. Yes. There should have been a button to just like recall your characters, and then they would just like come with you. If it just had a simple mechanic like that, you would have cut out a lot of that backtracking. But then again, you'd probably beat the game in like three and a half hours, and then people would probably complain it's too short. So I I don't know if there's like a perfect solution, but I did find myself kind of wanting to just recall teammates. Yes, I I agree. There should have been a button for that, but yeah, it's a fine line, I guess. All right, and then this last one is recommended 26 hours on record. So this person probably Mm. played through with every character. Uh, A scientist, hillbilly, time traveler, knight, monk, adventurer, and twins walk into a cave. (laughs) No, this is not a joke setup. Seriously, these eight, or these eight, it's seven people walk into a cave in groups of three to launch a nuclear weapon, travel back in time to kill the caveman ancestor of their coworker, burn a carnival down, and have other adventures. (laughs) yes yes common adventures just like those (laughs) plain standard stuff yeah (laughs) yeah exactly 
All right, Paul. So those are some reviews from the community. This is the part where you and I are going to make a guess as to what we think the overall review score for this game is. This says a little bit about what we think before we get into what we actually think about the game. Yeah. And you're on a hot streak. I think you've won two, maybe three in a row now? Yeah, two or three. So... Yeah, we, we take a look at the user score. So what percentage of Steam reviews are positive? I, I think this is a really hard one to guess. You could tell me anything from 70 to 92%, and I feel like I could believe it. I, I know I enjoyed it. I think most people probably did. I think this is going to be somewhere in the mid-80s. So I wrote down 84%. That was just a, my gut shot. I think it's going to be somewhere around 84 84. Okay. Well, you and I think very similar then, because my guess was 86%. Oh, okay. You know, I thought, hey, this is an enjoyable game. It's not going to be for everybody, but there's not much to hate about it, but there's not too much that's super amazing about it. It's going to put it up in like the high 90s or something like that either. So I guess 86. The actual is 80. Seven. Oh. Your reign is over, Paul. <laughs> I'm really happy. I'm glad that I would lose with this being a higher score than I thought. I, I thought there would be more complaining about the backtrack. That was my number one worry. It was the majority of the the negative reviews was simply just too much walking, too much backtracking. Like, why do I have to go through this level a second time? That kind of stuff. So it, that does seem to be the common theme. But apparently people didn't hate that that much. So... <laughs> All right, well, Josh, we're going to hit that music and you you get to take us into the next segment. Oh boy. Hey, scientist, you want to calculate my chances of a date? <laughs> I don't, I'm Paul, I'm terrible nice. at these things, man. Very I make nice. them up on the fly cuz I don't ever expect <laughs> to win these, so when I have to yeah. intro that segment, I'm so not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> All right. So this is where we play Make Love, Marry, or Murder. This is how Paul and I are going to rate this game. A Mary means, hey, you should go out and buy this game right after listening to this episode because it's going to be phenomenal. A Make Love is we feel like this game is thoroughly enjoyable. Maybe it's not something you'll play forever, but you'll have a good time. Murder means buyer beware, take your chances, probably don't play it but if you're a masochist or something like that you know hey it's your money <laughs> <laughs> exactly all right well since i won paul i guess uh i'll go first on this one yeah there is nothing to not like about this game in my opinion it's quirky it's fun it's got a very cool style to it i loved the humor i loved the the just crazy results that from the stages i loved hearing about the the your characters and what they went through because i didn't know maybe i just picked the three craziest characters in the game you know and that kind of stuff for me this is a very very easy make love I don't think it's a Mary just because the game's kind of short. And to go back through and play all seven characters, I feel would be pretty repetitive at that point. Like, I'm glad that I played the characters I played. I don't know that I have any desire to go back through and play the other four. You know what I mean? In that regard. Um, But this game is just thoroughly enjoyable in so many ways. I did not ever find myself like slogging through it. I didn't ever find myself dreading having to play it. It's one of those games. I played it with a controller. I just kicked back in my chair, had a good time, had some chuckles to myself. Uh, It's easy to play. It's approachable. There's really not much I didn't like about it. It's just goofy to say all that and then say, but it's not a Mary for me because I just feel like this kind of game doesn't really lend itself to like a merry verdict, I guess. Yeah, almost everything you just said, I could have said verbatim. It is a perfectly fine B game. Like it's nothing to write home about. It's perfectly pleasant. I never dreaded having to double click the icon. There are games we have covered where I'm like, dang it, <laughs> I, I just want to sit back and play no, The Witcher well, Three, right. you know. But I had to play something else. And, you know, this one was very easy. I never, I never grew bored of it. I found the stories to be interesting, the gameplay to be interesting. If you like puzzle games, I think you'll like this one. Uh, at the same time, I don't think it's the best puzzle game. I kind of felt like it does a lot of stuff very good. It doesn't really necessarily do anything excellent. So I would say 
if you're looking for something to play that you're going to be able to beat in a, in a couple days and you've got 15 bucks, I think it's a great title to buy. If you're on a super limited gaming budget, I'd let this one pass simply because if you've only got the finances to buy like one game every couple months, I wouldn't make it this one, but it's well worth playing if, uh, if you want a fun, enjoyable puzzle game. It's like yeah, spaghetti. You know what I mean? Like it's like spaghetti's always good, but how do you make really, really great spaghetti? But it's really hard to have bad spaghetti. Now yeah. I know this is probably Paul's looking at me like I'm crazy because I, I see these, I feel these the are chef fingernails, in you. <laughs> fingernails on the chalkboard. But go ahead, I, I I can appreciate the metaphor even though I completely disagree. <laughs> you started looking at me like I was said. crazy, and you're like, "Have you never had really good spaghetti before?" <laughs> <laughs> you got to elevate those meatballs. Right? You got to do I homemade guess. pasta, so, but it's you comfort know, whatever, food. Whatever. It's, it, sure. Like I said, it's comfort food. It's just you know, it's not it's not a filet mignon, but it's also not beets and eggplant. Right, you know, it's like it, it, you're gonna enjoy it. That, that's really like the ultimate thing is you're gonna enjoy playing this game. Yes, it's a fun game. I I don't know what it's like to play co-op because you can't play co-op online. It's a split screen co-op. But I read that if you're like moving one character, you can't move the other one at the same time. Like yeah, you basically. I, I I didn't get it. It seemed like you would just like pass the controller. It's not even that. I read this too because we didn't have a chance to try to play together like local. You does have local co-op, so you could couch co-op this thing. But from what I was reading is like if one character if if one person's controlling a character, the other ones cannot move at the same time. Like you have to switch and then it, okay, now it's your turn, Paul. You go move the adventurer and you're like, "Okay, I've made it to this platform, Josh. Now back to you." And that doesn't seem like a fun co-op experience to me. No, but if you could move both at the same time, that would make perfect sense. Yes. So it's a little, it's it's a little, (laughs) yeah, it's a little confusing, like why there's even co-op in there. But you know, I I think we're both of the same mind. Perfectly good game. Not great. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, let's go to our last segment here. Let's go to the leaderboard. See where this game stacks up. All right, Josh, this leaderboard just keeps growing and growing, buddy. It's this getting is out of game. hand, Paul. This is <laughs> these are like tribbles. What have we from done? Star Trek. <laughs> uh, we have done deep dive episodes on 59 games. Ooh. The cave is now number 60. This is where Josh and I have to come to a consensus agreement. Where does this go on the leaderboard? It's almost kind of like, what games do we recommend? But we have to agree on its placement. So we've got some games, just to point out a couple of rankings here. We've got Valheim at 5, Grand Theft Auto Online at 11, The Forgotten City at 17, Shovel Knight at 27, Star Wars Squadrons at 38, Escape from Tarkov 50, Hood Outlaws and Legends 58, I don't know, Josh, looking at this list... Top 10, uh, buddy. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay, we know it's not top 10, but it's not bottom 10 either. It's it's got to be somewhere relatively toward the middle, I think. This one's tough for me, man, because like we just reviewed Shovel Knight. That was our most recent other deep dive, and I feel like this game like fits in that zone for me. But then it's like, I feel like Shovel Knight has more replayability. Then yeah. the cave, like once you a lot more content, yeah. Once you expl- like once you beat the cave, I feel like or at least for me, I'm done. Right, like I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I'll probably never play it again. I don't have a lot of desire to explore the other characters. Shovel Knight, I could see going back to and playing some of the other content or something like that. Or maybe I'm just in the mood for like a good platformer at that point. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this is going to be below Shovel Knight. Um. I don't see how you'd put this above Borderlands 3, which we have at 34. I feel like I'd put this somewhere I in the mid to late 30s. Be, that's exact. I just started scrolling down. Yeah. I'm like, I'm looking at RimWorld. I'm like, there's no way this is above RimWorld, especially I know you would you would die. Um, but then I but see Deathloop, like... maybe. I mean, I Probably see not, but Deathloop, maybe. Knockout City, we have to fix that. Even if it's not on an actual oh, episode, maybe we need I to like fix it. I like Knockout. Where, um, and then we've got Squadrons GTA. I'm thinking like the late 30s. Yeah, I I, I can't put it, it feels, above Deathloop, man. Deathloop, I get no. like neither, you or I didn't really super enjoy Deathloop, but it's a fine game. 
And there's yes. some people that love it. It's so well done. I feel like it has to be below Deathloop somewhere. I agree. I know I've kind of posed the question before. Would you rather pay 60 for Deathloop or 15 for the cave? And that's where I'm like, I think I would say Deathloop, but it's kind of close. It's, close it's not at like that an point. immediate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah, there's a little hesitation. Think about it. Um, yeah, but, but at the same time, I feel like it's really hard to put this above Star Wars Squadrons, even though I had a lot of issues with Squadrons. I, I think I would put it at 39 in between squadrons and gtfo that was my initial thought i'm okay with that i think i prefer gtfo i feel like we need to dive back into that game at some point they've made so many updates to that game and it was a lot of fun for a little while it just it was still very new when we played it there's no matchmaking at the time well there is now right exactly yeah Yeah. at the time there wasn't but i i enjoy gtfo man um we made some good friends on discord On the GTFO <laughs> Discord page. Oh, it was often. Who was the one guy that was bananas, man? It came across there some characters couple. playing that game. There were a few characters, for um, sure. Do we want to put it at 40? I'd be fine with that if you want to put it below GTFO. I, I feel like that makes that makes me comfortable. Let's do that. All right. Yeah. So we'll plug this one in at 40, which will bump Cuphead down one, and uh, that'll keep it pretty close to the middle. I think that's totally fair. We enjoyed it. Yeah. It's fine. It's good. Yep. Yeah, that that's yeah. not a knock on the game by any means whatsoever. I mean, there's some really I mean, Deathloop, Star Wars Squadrons, Cuphead it takes two. I mean, we were big fans of that, you know, Monster Hunter World. These are all the the types of games that are right within that area, so Yeah, it's it's still a pretty good rating since we've enjoyed almost all the games we've covered. As long as you're not in the bottom 15 or so, you're I was doing pretty say, good you on hit the leaderboard. that bottom 10, it's not good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somewhere around the cycle down is is pretty rough there in the bottom 15. All right. So once again, we want to give a very special thank you to Tfoles for being a legendary supporter and picking this game. If you have a game in mind that you want me and Josh to play, you can become a legendary supporter as well. Just go to MultiplayerSquad.com. You can pick any game and Josh and I will cover it. In fact, we're just waiting for Ad to pick a game. But in the meantime, we are going to be deep diving Battlefield 2042. So that is going to be our next deep dive that will be releasing on November 29th. So if you guys have pre-ordered that game or if you're planning to get it at release, you'll have a little bit of time to play that and listen along with me and Josh. We did get a head start with the last beta and we're going to be jumping into that and playing lots of Battlefield and also if you want to come join our discord there's a link in the episode description come hit us up talk to us about your gaming takes give us suggestions give us questions for bonus round episodes we'd love to hear from you guys anything else to tell the people josh no nah, thank you t Foles. uh again I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show but just longtime listener great uh great supporter of the show thanks to razor for supporting the show as well and uh that's it man yeah thanks so much for listening we'll see you guys on thursday all right see everybody all right uh, razor oh, there we go we, that was our pre pre-roll <laughs> i'm sure they'll like that they said a personal endorsement right oh <laughs> uh.